attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I am your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Todd Hayden. Todd Hayden is the current General of the BPS trip, the Men's Basketball League, which will be coming to Camp Ojibwe this coming weekend. He is also a former camper and counselor. We have some great times. Todd was still a counselor my first year, and then, uh, oh well, and then it went a little south after that. But I'm going to let him tell that story. That's not my story to tell. Before we get to that, stop by the website, check out that new audio I told you about. All those new recordings that have been posted, they've been getting a little traction. Uh, I highly recommend Peter Pan specifically. That's a classic, and the audio recording sounds amazing considering it is legitimately almost 50 years old. Check that out. There's going to be some new video pieces going up this week and some more pictures. So don't forget to stop by the website as we're getting closer to the start of camp. More stuff going up there every day. Speaking of the start of camp, I'm currently sitting on the beautiful shores of Catfish Lake. The weather is a balmy 53 degrees, but it's still amazing, and I'm happy to be here. But, okay, enough of that nonsense. Let's get to the show. Here we go. Todd Hayton on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. So first and foremost, for the record, please state your name and years at camp. My name is Todd Hayden. I was a camper from 1992 through 1999, so I was eight years a camper. I was a counselor in 2000, 2001, and my ties to Ojibwe go beyond just my camper days and my staff man days, as I now am the commissioner of the BPS trip at Ojibwe. Uh, 2015 was my first year. 2016 will be my second year. So my reign at Ojibwe continues. Awesome. We will definitely get to the BPS stuff. Let's start camper time, though. How do you first find out about Camp Ojibwe? I first find out about Camp Ojibwe because my sister went to Maramita. So we were, uh, you know, we were a Maramita family. I've got a sister who's four and a half years older than me. And when I went, I was really the, I went with someone who lived on my street, Justin Swibel. So the two of us went, Doug Baum, who's a long-time Ojibwe person, Matt Abels. These were really the four people my age that were there. And um, I remember Denny coming to my house when I was about eight. I almost went this summer of 91, but I mm. ended up, I was eight and a half when I went to camp. Or I turned I turned nine at camp. So when I went, going into fourth grade. Um, but that, that's how I heard about it. You know, the North Shore was a, a huge Ojibwe place. And sure. Clearly, with my sister being a Maramita, it was something that helped me and as an eight-year-old know that my sister would be close. Right. I'm not quite sure I ever <laughs> thought too much about <laughs> once I got a kid. Sure, of course. But there was no one um, back in the family, previous generations or anything no, like that? No, I, I'm, I'm lying. I had older, I had cousins, ah. Kaufmans. Scott Kaufman was an Ojibwe person. Stephen Kaufman was an Ojibwe person. Um, so on my mom's side, we had cousins that went to Ojibwe also. Gotcha. So I think they were there in the 70s, I would guess. Nice. But that time you're talking about those early 90s, I mean, that's after the transition and when camp is really exploding, like popularity wise, it's becoming the thing. And like you said, it's in the North Shore. That's this is it. This is where you go now. Where other camps? I mean, you didn't consider any other camps. No, no. That was never it. Never looked at Menominee, never thought of anywhere else but Ojibwe. Awesome. Only place I ever would have gone. 
Very nice. So first memory when you get there. I don't remember so much about the first year. A couple things. Uh, you know, Darren Anister stands out, Jeff Kaplan. These are two guys that uh, were definitely in my memories from my first few years at camp. And that was right at the transition of that whole age group winding down, the Darren Anister age group. Mm. They were still there, John Goodman, Sid Foreman, a lot of these guys. You know, some funny stories early on, and obviously with Collegiate Week, I, I think I was 11 and 1 my first year um, in prep. You, know, I remember, you think you might be 11 and 1 that year? I remember winning floor hockey um, uh, in 1992, so I'm on the plaque for that. I think that was my only plaque. You know, and back then, it wasn't first and second floor. You know, you did teams, right. uh, uh, you did teams throughout the whole year, so there wasn't all, you know, as many divisions and half the season, right, first half and second board. I saw a funny memory. I remember, I, I'm not sure if it was when I was in Cabin 1 or Cabin 3. I'd have to think back to when Jeff and those guys were in Cabin 14. So I think that might have been 1993. But I remember with Justin Swivel sneaking on the Braves trail, and Josh Walreich was in 14, and he saw us doing it. Oh. Right? So the Braves trail, as many of you know who've gone to a gym or listened to these before, and someone's talked about it, but if you're a rookie listening to this, I'll tell you what the Braves trail is. The Braves Trail is the path that takes you from where Cabin 14 is to the main campfire site. And if you're not a Brave, you have to walk around and pass Cabin 1's campfire, Cabin 2's campfire, Cabin 3's campfire. But Braves get to walk through these tennis courses, what's called the lake courts. At the time, they were tennis courts, now the basketball courts. And that's a little bit of a shortcut. So Justin and I, was towards the end of the summer, and we were messing around. And we go, and, and a couple guys, Matt Evans, Josh Walrick, see us doing this. And so they decided they wanted to punish us, right? So we could either get some form of abuse, or we could both go into the lake with our clothes, and we had to wrestle each other. Wow. And so we get into the lake, right? I mean, like, we're having fun. Don't get me wrong. Sure, of course. Great, you know? I mean, they're <laughs> laughing with us, and they're punishing us. And Jeff Kaplan kind of sees this, and he sees that we're not feeling too happy, and Jeff Kaplan put an end to it very quickly. So, uh Nice. Jeff Kaplan's been a mentor and a protector of mine for a very long time, but that's that's what Ojibwe was about for me as a young kid, and why it still plays such a role uh, in my life now, and why you know all my memories are so positive of it. I mean, these older guys looked out after me. You know, I didn't have an older brother. I'm so close with my older sister. Always wanted that older brother, but I got that. You know, it sounds a little cliche, but that's really what I got from Ojibwe. And yeah, for sure. Friendships of people my age, but more so the bond uh, that I was able to form with guys. You know, who were six years older than me. That's what Jeff and those guys are. And, um, you know, I consider these guys some of my best friends in the world today. Yeah. You know, and same with Darren and guys that are even older. You know, I'm 32 now. And that's the special. That's that's what makes, to me, Ojibwe unique. I'm not saying we're the only camp in the world that has that. But the bonds are pretty tight there. And the fact that they live forever um, is super special. So a lot of sports. You know, I'm an athlete and... Uh, I was going to ask, Ojibwe. did you did you come in being liking yeah. sports already? Oh, yeah, I, I was an athlete when I was young, and Ojibwe fit me perfectly. Nice. You know, it didn't fit a lot. Of, it didn't fit all my friends perfectly. That's the truth. And had these conversations with Stuniskin recently, and I think that's okay. That's that's what I love about Ojibwe. You know, there's there's a lot of things for a lot of people, but we're sports camp, and I think we should be proud of that always. And that's why I went back. You know, eight weeks, um, eight years in a row. Yeah. So it's it, it hooked me very young and. You know, I just remember recruiting all my friends the next two years, having video parties. With them, oh, nice. You know, getting more of my friends to go. Sure. Felt a little more comfortable. And every single one of us, you know, went back for a very long time. We all got very addicted at a young age. You know, <laughs> the second you get home, all you do is talk about the next summer. Yeah. You recap the previous summer and you focus on the next summer already. And some funny stories. I'll give you another funny story. I remember on a bus ride up there, um, Adam Safro and a couple guys, and, you know, they're, they're sitting in the back of the bus and they're, they're, oh, this is bad, but you know. <laughs> so we're sitting in the back of the bus, and sorry, Saffron. And uh, these guys are playing on the jukebox, right? These guys, these are the days of jukeboxes, and they're playing Fuck Martinez, Fuck, Fuck Martinez, this rap song. I think it's Two Life Crew, I'm not so sure. I think it's Two Life Crew who sings that song. And uh, I remember them showing me my, for, my first porn magazine. And them a little bit embarrassing me because I wasn't uh, quite sure some of the pictures I was looking at. Sure, of course. I remember it perfectly. Exactly what took place. Um, I remember a lot about camp. And, yeah. um, you know, some, some really special memories. I remember 1993. I mean, these are not always, not always the best memories in the world, but still, you know, still unique and different. And unfortunately, you know, Paul James passed away in 1993. Right. 
I remember that I was up when the ambulance came. It was like two in the morning. Uh, I was, I, you know, nineteen ninety three. I'm in cabin three. I remember that summer also. Dan Wertheimer was one of my uh, our counselors. Me and Adam Weiser, a kid in my cabin, decided that we were going to pick his little safety, his little uh, like lockbox, lockbox, yeah. lock right? And it was one of the ones that only had three numbers on it. So in nine hundred ninety nine tries, sure, I think we got this thing right. right? <laughs> we had a lot of time, and we got it right. I think it was like six one eight or something like that, you know, something close. And um, we pick it, and there's the first picture I ever saw of uh, a counselor at Weasels. You know, so oh, nice. So many funny Very things nice. that if I can think back and go through the vault. Sure. Just so special times. I'll tell you the one thing I always knew or I always remember is that camp was never long enough. You know, mm. when, when that the parents come up during visiting weekend, you're like, holy shit, it's four weeks already. And then all of a sudden collegiate week starts. You're like, I got to go home in seven days. You know, I wish I could have spent years up there. I did. Yeah. I mean, if you look at cumulative how many weeks I've been up there or days I've been up there, it's been a long time. But I, sure. we, that's a, such a special part of that place. Once you go, you never want to leave. Yeah, for so, sure. So unique, so fun. And clearly a lot of sports, a lot of girl memories, a lot of social memories, <laughs> a lot of firsts. Um, well, let's take it back to the younger yeah, years a little right, bit first. Yeah. So early on, what are your sports? What's your, what are you into? What's your favorite sport? Yeah, I'm into everything, honestly. I mean, I, I, was, I was a very good athlete. Um, and... Yeah, you know, basketball was always, like, my best thing. But I remember playing, um, you know, uh, every single thing. I mean that, from the water, from swimming to basketball. Um, I'm very athletic, and it's probably why I love the dribble so much. And it's probably Mm -hmm. why the older guys, you know, bonded with me, you know, because here I am as this little kid who's, you know, being successful on the courts, whether it was football, softball, it was floor hockey, it didn't really matter. Yeah. um, I I love playing all sports from pinners. It doesn't matter. It really is horseshoes, you know. Yeah. Set up anything at that camp and I'm ready to go. (laughs) And you see that today. Like the the younger, especially little little kids, if they're real standout athletes right away, the big kids really glom onto that. They click right away. Absolutely. And that's, look, we had people that weren't such good athletes that we clicked with also. Sure. You know, anybody listening to this, it's not like only the the best athletes at the best time. It's, It's a place where if you're not a good athlete, you can still have your niche, and you can still have your spot and your spotlight, right? Whether it's in stunt night, it's in song night, it's mm-hmm. being a little bit more of a comedian type. and um, But it's a sports camp, and so, yeah. It's just sort of easier to reveal yourself if it's a sports thing. If it's the other stuff, it's a little harder to find the niche. But then when you do, it's definitely I'll there. Tell you yeah. the worst part of camp is when I was forced to do arts and craft bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I didn't want to do. Sure. You know, I wasn't complaining about the waterfront stuff, but like I didn't want to go sit in some place and build something. You right. Know, like, I didn't want to go shop class. Um, but we do things like that at camp, and it, it opens your mind and expands a little bit on the you know, different skill sets. And um, so it was, it was a good thing. But I remember at the time being like, I'm not here to do this. I'm going to play. And nice. Like, put, lace them up. Let's go. Let's go something. <laughs> what were you? That's the fun thing too. Always running around, never stopping. Yeah. The rest period I always remember was a, uh, was a board too. You know, it's like, I don't want to rest. I'm ready. But of course you realize it. And then late at night, you know, and the, the cabin memories of my friends and what we would do and, I remember cabin six, Chad Clement shoving a broom pole in the electrical outlet and all camp loses electricity. You know, I mean, there's just so many funny memories. Of, you know, we were wild. I, I, I and cabin, I oh, guess we'll start with the young days until we get to the right side of the rec hall. <laughs> a lot of fun memories. Cabin one, then cabin three, then cabin six. So I spent three years on the left side of the rec hall. Um, 1994, I was on Army for Collegiate Week. John Goodman was my coach. Uh, that was the best I had done in Collegiate Week. 92, I was on Darren's team. We didn't do so well in 93. Benji Schwab, Jason Wool in Pennsylvania got last again. I'm not that I'm tooting my own horn here. I'm pretty sure we put up 10-2 in prep or something like that. Uh, I think that was, like, I think SV went like 2-10, and 10, we went 10-2, and, and I remember, mm. I remember giving my first rounder shit. You know, here I am as this little 10 9 10 yelling at the cabin 14 or, you know, in the huddles, like, you know, you're not carrying your weight. I think they probably nice. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was just so many good memories and so many fun memories. And my age group was always one of the biggest at camp. By the time we were in cabin six, no, by the time we were in cabin, I think I was at eight, we had three cabins. Yeah. So we were a really big age group. I mean, I think there was 50 of us. Um, you know, and then that, that was one of the biggest groups at camp. And so it was yeah. really fun. And I think back of a lot of Highland Park, but a handful of people from Northbrook and a hand, couple guys from Florida and out of towners. Right. Um, you know, this guy, Zach Warren, who was born in Chicago, Jim Warren was the head of the waterfront for a lot of years, who now lives in LA, who's such a, I was just, uh, Facebooking with him yesterday. He's such a good friend of mine, such a great kid. And that's, that's what Ojibwa does. Nice. You know, it makes you closer with the people you grow up with and, um, brings you connected with people you never would else have, have gotten connected to. 
and um, just so many funny memories. On that, uh, in those early days on the on that side of the rec hall, who were your staff guys? Who were the guys that stick out for you? Um, who were the guys that really stick out? You know, it's like a, a handful. Um, you know, like I was Jim Findor when I was in Cabin 1 in 1992 was part of the staff. A handful of foreigners, unfortunately, I don't um, really remember. You know, but Dan Wertheimer obviously was a Cabin 3-er. Um, Eric Gimble, Joey Blyman, Jason Woolen. You know, I was very fortunate. I had Brett Victor and Jeff Kaplan for multiple years. They ended up staying with us. And then as I was a counselor, got to be co-counselor. Sure. It's interesting that you use the word fortunate in that particular circumstance. Yeah, well, hey, well, you know, some people you ask about those two guys wouldn't agree. Uh, no, so lucky. So lucky to have just staff that loved us and, um, you know, treated us like family and would 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 beat us up if we didn't pay attention. You know, I mean, sure. hey, I hate to say this. This is this is what went down back then. But I loved it. And um, it shaped me to be the person I was. You know, I was. A person who could handle discipline, who would know when to push the envelope just enough, but then take my beating and, and you know, and have some fun with it. Nothing ever bad, don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, these are guys that, you know, helped, uh, you know, were part of my childhood and, and for always and, and uh, every time. So a lot of, lot of great memories from Collegiate Week to uh, just forming friendships to great getting close. I think it, it's one of the reasons Ojibwe why I'm so close with uh, an older generation. You know, I look right now at some of my best friends in their 40s and their 50s. Yeah, for I sure. I think that's so common for a 32-year-old. But Ojibwe definitely at a young age showed me that friendship isn't just with people who are your age. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes you, that's why you're a prime person to run the BPS situation. Because you've got connections to all those generations. I mean, it just works and, and you're the right conduit for all that. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I take a lot of pride in that. And I felt that... There was a lot of us at this trans camp transition in the 90s. You know, it went from if you fucked around, you you was you know you were going to learn your lesson. Okay? Yeah. Society changed, right? Camp had to change and evolve. And um, what what didn't change was that relationship, right? So I tried to then take that with the guys that I was fortunate to be their counselors of, and I was with them for both my years as a counselor. And I love these kids, you know, because they were four, five, six years younger than me, whatever it was. And it's just really special. Yeah. You know, it's such a special sure. place in the world. And, you feel it. You get those that that hair raising on your neck when you pull up that road. As I know you know, Chris. Yeah. How many years you spent there? But it was just such a. I, I was really lucky to be there in '92, in '93. I think you know '94. A lot of those guys got older and stopped coming back. You know, it's just the same thing that happened to me when you know I, I was in college. Um, but just so many, so many fun things, and I got to really see this. You know, I'm, I'm really lucky I was there in 92, 93. Got some of those years in. Yeah, it's underrated what you talk about that transitional period of the 90s because yeah. it is, it's camp, camp's gone through its transition and now it's blossoming in a big way. That's when they expand the rec hall, that's when they expand the mess hall. No one, you can't have everyone come in and sit for dinners, like staff have to get out, you know, right. stuff like that. Right, that's, that's, you know, back in the day, we, uh, back in the day, the 90s. <laughs> we used to, uh, you know, everything was waited. Um, Friday night you had to get dressed up, then he gave his speech. And um, times change, right? You don't have that much anymore. But even those things, those were such a fun part of camp of sitting with your cabin. And, you know, we used to play this game that was all the cops back in the day were were shaped, you know, like where um, like an hourglass. Right. And so most of them were stainless steel. And I found this one red plastic cup and we called it the Red Wolf. So what we would do is. You'd be in a race and see if your cup could make it all the way around the circular table. And this red wolf was fast. And I used to be <laughs> we had so many funny memories and bets we would make. And Zach Fish, my best friend, my best man at my wedding, you know, for a food run, would he drink an entire bowl worth of ranch, full of ranch dressing? He does. He's puking for a day afterwards. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just funny shit that we would do. And sure. Um, you know, I mean, this is, I was surrounded by people who I love to this day, loved back then, and we all shared similar interests, and most of them, again, were, were into sports, but it was just such a fun, competitive place where you could, you know, I'd want to beat the shit out of my best friend who I was playing with on the court, but then go back to the cabin, and, you know, he's my best friend in the world. And so it just teaches you so much about life like that, and competition, and camaraderie, and brotherhood, and, yeah. and respect, too, you know, showing you how to respect older, and... Absolutely. That's you said something really important there, and that's a thing. That's a really hard thing to explain to people about the wanting to 
beat each other up on the field and then come back to the cabin and be best friends. And, and it's so, we get it so easily because we live it all the time, but I think it's really hard to explain to someone outside of the camp circle what that is like. Yeah. That's a sports thing, right? I mean, you're, you see these guys, professional athletes, you know, everyone's got their crew and you're got to compete out there and you got to go out there and play tough and you want to win. But when it's over and the whistle blows, you should be able to go back, even if it's your biggest rival. Right. And, um, camp shows you how to do that. There's so many life lessons that that place has taught yeah. me that you don't even you don't realize you're, you're learning these things. Obviously, right, right. Through, but you look back and I'm an entrepreneur. I own my own company. I've got a lot of people who work for us, and we got this BPS trip, and I got two kids, and there's just so many things I pull from experiences or time I spent on those campgrounds at 4040 that. Um, it's, it's really special. Yeah, it's really special. for sure. Well, let's cover the sports. Let's get it out there. What's your collegiate week record overall? Yeah, I, I 98 through 2000 is when I really made my move. So in cabin 13 is my second to last year. I'm the 1-6. Student can picks me. I had gotten, I think I'd gotten a third up until then. That was it. Um, it was interesting. Is if you're If you're a really good JV athlete, a lot of times you go early and then screws with the draft strategy. Sure. And that happened to me in my, my middle years, I'd say, um, when I was like a third, fourth, fifth rounder, right in there. And then when you're young, you do your part, and you're, you're not really instrumental in... in uh, well, I mean, if you go 11 and 1 or 10 and 2, you might be okay. Times 5, you're still only putting 55 points for your team. You're being very humble about it. <laughs> so they were, yeah, I, I was always... Um, I had good, very good records. 98, I'm the 1-6... I was a late grower that summer. I think I went up to camp 5-4. I think I left camp 5-10 in <laughs> a couple weeks. So yeah. I, I definitely um, hit my, my growth spurt um, that summer. And I still remember during that collegiate week, I'm in the swim meet. And Benji Bogofsky, who was the assistant coach, it was Stu and Benji. And Benji's watching me swim the backstroke. And, and I, think, I, I don't know, we finished like third or something in that swim meet. I didn't win that race. But I was in a, um, this guy, Todd Jacobson, who was in 14, was a phenomenal swimmer. Obviously, most people know Todd Jacobson. And I pull out of the pool, and he's like, Todd, I'm like, yeah, what's up, Benji? He's like, you got no armpit hair. What the fuck is up with you? I'm like, I'm just starting to grow, Benji. You know, well, uh, you know. Mind you, I might not have had much armpit hair, but we win the week in 1998 on the 1-6. Um, a lot of people were doubting Stu for taking me. I, mean, I don't know why, but... Uh, We've, we dominated that. It seems like a team of destiny. I mean, the whole way Stu got to coach yeah, and the, that whole story. Absolutely. And then you coming in and yeah, it was a great story. Incredible. So Nine, we come back. Man, I, I made I made a couple really bad decisions um, when it came to a gym, but we can get into some of those. One of them. This was not my. This was my second. Really well. This is probably my third really bad decision at camp, and it was I I, I didn't go first floor in fourteen. Mm. I stayed home to play basketball on the varsity team. And that was a huge mistake. And I regret it every day, and I should have been up there. Um, but I got my license that summer. I was dating a girl. You know, I, what, bad decisions. And uh, you it's true. Learn. It's tough. So I get up there second four. There are, there are three. There's four of us that were hands down the top, going to be the top four picks. David Kay, Doug Baum, me, and Zach Fishman. And it ended up going Doug, David, me, then Zach, and then David Gershenson to 1-5 to Arizona, or to uh, Air Force. And that whole week we're in first. I'm with Army. Andrew Copans. Um, it was it Andrew Copans? I got the Copans brothers. What's Andrew's brother's name? Michael. Michael, right? I think it was Michael. I go one three. We're in the lead the entire week. I lose a horrible doubles tennis match, which was was big for us. I think we ended up losing the week by 17 and a half points or something like that. We had we won the obstacle. Elliot had said, and you can ask him this if he remembers. Elliot had said it was the fastest obstacle he'd ever seen. And uh, a guy I love to this day, who I'm not going to name him, struggled a little bit on the slap shot part of the obstacle. I think he went one, I think he missed 29 or 30 shots. And I'm sitting there watching, and I've got a tear. You know, I'm crying for him, not for me. You know, like I won, and yeah, I wanted to win again, obviously. Uh, we were pissed. I ended up, I'll, I'll plug myself here because I don't do that ever, right? So then I go to water <laughs> baskets. I think I shoot three or four, something like that. <laughs> and we had to lose that week by 17 and a half points. So I, I won a 98 as the 1-6. I get second as the 1-3. And then the first JC selected in 2000, and we win again. Um, so I had a good three-year run, and I believe, uh, if we check the record books, I would have been the only person to ever go first-rounder, winner, first-rounder, winner. First year JC winner. So nice. Uh, good three year run with a first, second, and a first. Got to taste it as a first honor, got to taste it as a coach. 
And uh, it was great. I mean, you live for that collegiate week. You know, you can't even explain it to people. And I try to explain it to non-Ojibwe people, people who haven't heard of camp. You can't explain that. It's the greatest competition yeah. uh, in the world. The level of importance of that sporting event, it, you cannot tell another human being what it means. Oh, and it's so intense, so fun. And you're on a team with people from, you know, cabin 14 to cabin 1. What a special way of bringing camp together at the end. So, yeah. so great collegiate week runs, always fun. And very fortunate, unlike a lot of my friends, I not only got to taste victory once, but got to taste it twice. In 2000, is that um, Ozzy? Who, who did you, who's your coach? My coach ended up being, my, I think, Michael Copans. I went from like Andrew Copans to Michael Copans. Nice. On Army as a first rounder for Andrew and then assistant coach with Michael. Very nice. And, um, you know, I just remember that, that entire collegiate week. You know, all if you know you're going to be a coach, what you do throughout camp is you just scout the eight-weekers. I'm just scouting like crazy. That's really the JC's job. The JC's job is to go to the head coach and say, hey, look, you're going to be great on strategy. You probably know the older players, but I know everybody. Right? So when it comes past the first, second, or third round draft picks, I'm taking over. And uh, I think with Copans, I, I drafted every single pick in that draft. Nice. Yeah, so we, but we had a great, uh, great synergy between the two of us. Got very fortunate with Brett Pearson and Jeff Leibovich. Um... Elliot helped us a little bit. We were able to move the track meet, and I think Brett had to go home for something. Unfortunately, someone, something happened, and Brett had to go home. We were able to move that track meet, and uh, nice. but we won the week pretty easily that year. Very nice. And, and Jeff had a bad ankle, so he really should have been like the 1-2. I might have played a role in making sure he slipped to the 1-5. I mean, it's such <laughs> a manipulative you know, process. <laughs> And I got him at one spot. Sure. Man, I love sure. Jeff Lee to death. When you have that bomb when you win that week, it's a Super Bowl. You know, you have that bomb. Yeah. Because I have kids now that I don't remember. You know, they were on my team. Like night. little kids, right? Yeah. And in 2000, and they come up to me and they fade. You know, I can't believe we won it. How great is that? And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Who are you? But yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I wish nice. I remember everybody. But um, yeah, such a special time with Collegiate And of course, one of the most important parts of Collegiate Week is stunt night. So you've had a few moments on the stage. Yeah. What know, sticks out? First memory on Sunday for sure, 1994, Army. Me and Zach Warren, who I mentioned earlier in this, me and Zach Warren played some part. It was a great stunt. And uh, we were like jesters for the king. And we had our own solos, and we had to be really hyper during it. I remember us like hitting like 15 packages of sugar. Literally. <laughs> you know, just chugging sugar packets to try to get, uh, to try to get amped up. So that was my first real stunt in my memory. I mean, most... Most of my stunt nights, when we were on Princeton, we won stunt night. It's funny, me and Lee Bagan keep, we'll, we'll go back and forth on that. He claims he wrote it. He didn't freaking write that shit. I wrote that entire thing. He's so funny thinking that he did. I, I don't care if he's a SEAL. I wrote that shit. What stunt was that? Is, uh, was I, I there? I remember, but it was some musical. You know, I knew. Was again, it, it was they like, were sweeping or there was some sort of yeah, like cadence yeah, to it? It was and, like stomp. Like we did yeah. a stomp kind of stunt. I loved that stunt, and, for the record. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, look, you, you know as you get older, you're like, okay, what are the judges looking for? It's not about trying to go up there and be the funniest and making all camp life. you got to try to win. Right, and, that's you know, it. you got to have some talent up there. you got to be creative. And uh, maybe we didn't win. Maybe we got second or something like that. But it was a great stunt. It was a really solid stunt. Most of my stunt night memories, though, are of other people and laughing my ass off. And, you know, I'm not, my talent is not on the stage when it comes to singing. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so nothing, never had, like, huge roles in them. Sure. But just fun. I think, we, you know, I think we got, like, fourth or fifth on 98. It was a solid stunt. Everyone was on point. So, like, we, we slipped in there and got some points. Um, but, no, my talents were not stage-worthy. But in the, in the audience... Um, always used to love it. I mean, the, I think the, the the number one memory I have on the stage is the Jubilee, right, during visiting weekend. And, yeah. Um, you know, seeing the old-timers do it. I think you can ask Denny this, but I'm pretty sure I played a pretty significant role of uh, campers being allowed to sleep out during visiting Oh. Weekend. Yeah. That, that, hap- that changes while you're there. That changes while I'm there after I did it two years in a row. I see. <laughs> Denny was really not happy with me and my mom and... I remember Denny calling in me, my mom, and my dad in there, and my mom and Denny are yelling at each other. My dad's like, Terry, it's my mom's name. He's like, Terry, you're, we were wrong. Like, you were wrong. <laughs> you know, I get it. You don't believe that you were wrong, but you were wrong. There are rules, you know. And Denny would be like to my dad, like, thank you. My mom would shut up. You know? <laughs> One of many, many times I was in that green room. Sure. We'll get to that, too. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, that's, that's probably my main memory on the stage. I used to love 
Sid Foreman is, was, did play Joseph one year. Mm. You know, like just the plays that they would put on the memory. I was never in them. I was never in the chorus. I was not a singer. I was a, I was a lace them up guy, not a dress them up guy. <laughs> but, but fun. I love being, you know, I love, and I love theater as a person. I just, you know, I wasn't talented to do it. But, yeah. Um, so a lot of memories in that record. A lot of fun. A lot of Blizzard bingos. Sure. Things like that. That's just, that's really top of them. I remember one year, I forget what it was, a bat was in the rack hall during Stunt Night or Song Night. We used to have Song Night. You know, before it was before we merged them, we had Song Night too. You had to memorize that's one of my early memories for sure, ninety two, uh, on Michigan, which I ended up, you know, I'm an alum of Michigan now, which probably played a huge role in that. You know, looking back at that. Jeff Kaplan went to Michigan, so I wanted to go there. I was on Michigan, the Fab Five, all those things played a role in it. But I remember in Song Night um, you know this this Michigan song that goes go back go back go back into the woods because you haven't got you haven't got you haven't got the goods you haven't got the rhythm you haven't got the jazz you haven't got the team that the Wolverines have and you do it three times you get louder and you're screaming it's just intense you know yeah. I was at um, I was at a Hawks game with my really really good friend Harry Matthew who's my age as well a lot of time at camp and um, uh, every time at the Hawks game, they honor somebody in the Army, the Navy, right? Some type of armed forces. And it was an Army guy. And they started playing the Army song. And Harry and I are just belting out the <laughs> Army song because we memorize all these songs. Yeah. Because you've got to memorize them for Collegiate Week. And again, back in the day, there wasn't the swapping out of a lot of Collegiate teams. Like right. We would do one every couple years. You know, Chicago in 96. Um, Andrew Becker ended up winning the week. I think it was 96. And they weren't in it all the time. But you'd memorize these songs. Yeah. You know, and the Navy song and Army and uh, Wisconsin, every single Big Ten song I know by heart. So fun memories. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned Harry. So coming to the end of the camper side for you, wh- yeah. who are those guys who are with you? Who are, uh, start with some of the other guys who are right in your age well, Let me tell you this. Out of the guys that stood up for me, take away my four brother-in-laws, Zach Fishman, best friend, OJ guy. Harry Matthew, one of my best friends, OJ guy. Matt Abels, OJ guy. Doug Baum. OJ guy. Uh, let me think who else stood up for me. No Ross. He was a Kawaga kid. No Gary. He never went to camp, unfortunately. Those are the guys I feel the worst for. You know, my friends who never got to experience summer camp. Oh, Jim Boy, obviously I'm biased. Sure. But the ones who didn't get to experience this, you know, I wish they would have. And, and, and a lot of these guys on the BPS, some legends on the BPS, um, another, you know, unfortunate thing that they didn't get to see this as a camper. But that's what's so special. We'll get there later about allowing people, adults, to experience c- competition. Uh, on Ojibwe Drive. Yeah. Right? That's what I, that's really. For sure. For sure. Camaraderie competition on Ojibwe Drive. And, and that's what makes Ojibwe so special. It's camaraderie and competition at that place. And um, so a lot of my best friends in the world uh, are Ojibwe people. My crew is deep. Just so many good memories and so many fun memories. And then the best part is of, I mentioned this one guy, Ross Carroll, who's my business partner now, is just needling him. And whenever we're all around and the OJ guys, and he's just like, ah, oh, you fucking OJ people, shut up. <laughs> and I was like, of course you don't shut up. What, are you kidding me? That's all we're going to talk about. So, um, awesome. yeah, just a great crew. And um, it's just, you know, lifelong friendships. That nice. So special. But the, the, again, the more unique part for me, my age is a given. You should be tight with your age. Just the older guys. And yeah. uh, some of my best friends in the world are, are older guys that went to a gym with Stu Cairo, Josh Balanick, you know, Josh Walreich, Jeff Kaplan. These are guys, Darren Anderson, Stu Nitskin. Yeah, it's just so many memories, so many fun people. Yeah, for sure. So lucky. I, mean, I was really lucky. I was really lucky my parents could afford that. I was really lucky. I grew up in a city that was Ojibwe was really popular at, you know, in. Um, I'm very fortunate, and I don't take that for granted. Nice. So you move on. Now you're JC. Come back for a little JC run. Yeah. Uh, what's it, How's it different? How does so the world change different. for you? It's so different. You know, other camps don't, you know, Ojibwe does something unique, and I think that this is something I've um, talked to Stu a little bit about. Not that I'm here to try to say, hey, what can our do to get better? But to make sure the 14ers really do a good job of, of almost being like CITs in training. What's special as a camper in 14 is you're not a CIT in training. You get your own resort, and you're there to enjoy <laughs> sure. your last year as a camper. For sure. You know, and you don't you do a few things that I would say, and I think that we're making a big transition, which is really important now in today's world to make sure the older guys are really looking out after the younger guys, especially when there's a big portion of them who are going to go on to be counselors. Yeah. But it's a hard, it was a hard transition back in the day because you went from like the best year of the world of a camper to like, shit, now I got all these rules. It's really strict. And the last year, we decided to bring back a prank on Denny. The previous couple of years, I wanted to really prank Denny. Back in the day, 14 years just prank Denny, okay? And we decided to prank Danny. We were stupid. We went to Maramina. We stole their sign. We climbed up. We took a ladder out of the out of the shed. We climbed up on the rec hall, and we put the lad. We put the Maramina sign on top of the rec hall. And Danny was furious. Right? It's like two horrible things. You're stealing something. 
and then a bunch of unsupervised kids are climbing on a rec hall with a ladder. You know, and it's like you don't think this way as a 15, 16 year old. Right. So that, so that after that, he's like, none of you are invited back to be counselors. I'm like, shut up, Denny. What are you talking about? So we had to that whole year negotiate with Denny, and what we negotiated was is that we'd be allowed to go back and be counselors. But prep camp or pre-camp, I forget what we called it, we weren't allowed to go out. So the first week of camp before the campers came in, we were not allowed to leave campgrounds. Wow. We thought that was a fair agreement. <laughs> um, but it was, it was fun. I loved it. I loved it because of what I talked about earlier in the podcast. Of I was so close with older guys. Yeah. I, I, I never had a younger brother. I wanted younger and older, right? So then this, these were my younger brothers and um, the guys that I would look after. And, um, you know, it was, it was really fun. It was hard work. Yeah, for sure. Really hard work. And, um, again, in my time... I think it was my second year. I probably had another role in this, um, but we started to be able to like if we were off, leave campgrounds during mm. the day, go get some food, go to town, and we took some great advantage of that. I got some really funny stories. Me and Harry, one day we were off, and um, there was this, there was this. If you're driving in a town on the left, I think it's not like a radio station. You know that like log building I'm talking about, like that log home. Oh, yeah. Or, or maybe, you know what it used to be radio station? Now it's like, they, they just sell log houses. And it's yeah, a spec house, yeah, okay? yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a radio station in 2001, I think it was, and they have this open house, like private invite only, serving food, and Harry, Harry and I are like, we're not, of course we're invited. <laughs> it says open house right there. <laughs> private open house, yeah, I'm coming to it. So we like, pretended to be some company and we're eating all their food and they're like you know networking with us and then we just booked out of there right just <laughs> really fun memories but it was, it was hard work you did not get paid a lot of money um so you definitely weren't doing it for the money right but that was that was one of my first few jobs you know that i had and it's a ton of responsibility it's exhausting and um, you don't realize the role you're playing at it as a yeah. 17 year old. You just don't. For sure. And I'm still going there to try to like dick around and have a great time with my crew and get in our games when we can and cause trouble and go out at night and mm-hmm. see my multiple girls that we had up there. Yeah, and sure. Myself <laughs> again. Uh, but just so fun and so special. Yeah. But different. Very different. My yeah. second year as a JC towards the end um, was, was, was not, a, I did not have a good finish at camp, unfortunately. Another one of my other probably four regrets, like I said. Um, but so, so many more amazing, incredible memories in the three or four <laughs> that it was my fault. <laughs> that didn't end up so well. One other, another funny, I'll tell you a funny story. Funny story is I'm in cabin eight and, um, we are, God, what were we doing? We're using deodorant and we're drawing out things on the ground and then lighting it on fire in the cabin. A bunch of jackasses. <laughs> be so cool right like, I wasn't even a pirate but we're going through this phase and like it's funny and so a counselor was was sitting down with me and he was just totally messing with me and he's like I know what you guys are doing and I'm like what are you talking about he's like you gotta tell Denny and I'm, I'm like what are you, what are you after five minutes of this I'm like crying and I'm convinced he knew what I was doing I then confessed to Denny about it and this guy had no idea he was totally messing with me <laughs> I go in and I confess, and I'm like, Denny, this is what I've been doing. I feel horrible. I'm spray painting. I'm, I'm, I'm aerosol. I got this deodorant. I'm lighting it on fire. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? You're in a cabin and you're causing fires? I'm like, yeah, I feel horrible. I don't know why I'm doing it. <laughs> Luckily, Denny, since I went to my only punishment, I had to like set out one activity period. You know what I had to do? Tuesdays were trip days. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Tuesdays, honor cabin, all this stuff. And uh, clearly, I had to get a lot of honor camper, honor cabin. <laughs> and, and I had to, I had to instead of like playing basketball, going to town, I had to like do something boring during trip day. You know, like one of these ones, and I think that's all Denny punished me for. So I nice. owe Denny for that. It was very nice of him. But yeah, that was, that was a funny, um, funny memory. Nice. What cabins were you in as a staff? Seven and ten. And I stayed with my same campers. Right. And who were those guys? Do you remember some of those yeah, guys? Like Dawson could... Rifkin, Zach Mursky, Chris oh. Chez, Matty Howard. <laughs> Reed Adler, Reed Baumgard. I mean, these were like, this was like my age. Yeah, that's a crew. That's a crew, for sure. Well. So just great kids, great yeah. athletes, love to cause trouble. Most of them, Matt Cornblatt, most of these guys could tolerate my style of being a can- of a counselor, which was what my counselors did to me. I mean, right. you know, they were out of line. They weren't out of line much. Uh, <laughs> but we had fun with it. And I never pushed yeah. anybody that couldn't be pushed or needled anybody that couldn't be needled. 
Um, all fun stuff and all fun ways. And yeah. people that I would do anything for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's a great bunch. It's a great. They were my second group in Cabin 14, yeah, I think. And fun kids. Phenomenal crew. Kids. You know, you're getting these kids, you know, prepubescent kids before they're 14. You know, the kids, you know, it's just so fun. <laughs> such a fun age. Such, fun, such good kids, you know. Nice. Really so camp staffing wraps up rather inauspiciously. Yeah. All right. We don't touch Look, on that. I, but. A, I think at that point I was a little checked out. Yeah. And um, Denny and I were probably clashing a little bit in responsibilities, and you know it's just hard. It was a hard, um, it was a hard run, and a lot of it led up to Collegiate Week, where I loved Tamir Rotman, but like I was so excited. My last chance, I knew it was my last year with Joe Boy. You know, my dad and I talked about it once. I was in college after my freshman year, I was going to work, um, sure. an internship, and start betting my career and. Um, and I was totally acceptable with that, and I thought it was the right thing for me, too, which it ended up being. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to be an SC, and I missed those years. But for me, it was the right move. And um, it's shady how I hear this whole story goes down. But somehow, and I just thought Elliot was screwing with me. Because, like, again, like, I would I would jab with Elliot a little bit. I loved him to death in 14. But I, I you know, I'm vocal, and I need him. I don't know. And I was young. I was dumb. And uh, Tamir Rahman gets the first pick for the JC. And so when we have this on tape and he picks me and I, I was a horrible sport about it up there even, you know, he calls me up and I got a bad look in my face. It's, just, it's something I, I, if I could go back, I would fix, obviously, just because you've got 200 kids and I'm setting an example. And that's a horrible example to set. You should be grateful for every opportunity and, you know, all those things that, of course, I know now. And um, so I had a really bad collegiate week. We had, and then, and then and so just like, to be clear, at this point, I'm with Tamir. We're in Indiana. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, we're going to win this week. Everyone's doubting us, and I'm going to win this week. So I had a bad, like, two hours. And then I shook it up, and my competitive nature comes back. And I'm like, okay, this is my week. So then the Sunday at Campfire site, we do the order of the first round. I think it was a Friday we do the JC, Sunday order of the first round. Yeah. Saturday and then Sunday, right, whatever the days are. Well, Elliot comes up there, two bags, teams in one bag, picks in the other bag, and Indiana's not in the fucking bag. Notre Dame's in there twice. Elliot claims, <laughs> one of them says N.D., and then one of them said Notre Dame. <laughs> Elliot claims he forgot the I. Let me tell you something. Elliot never forgot one thing. Okay? So I get the last, we get the, and, and what's left? The 12. Okay? Brutal. So then I just like out of control, bad, bad, bad. I'm yelling at Elliot at the campfire site. Repick! My team's not in there, repick! You know, like it's not fair. This is not gonna be fair to my to me, to Tamir. Right? <laughs> and um, we ended up getting the 12, and then I did a move again. Like, I ended up picking a kid in 13 with the 112, and then picking the kid in 14 with the 2 1, which is just the wrong thing to do. And uh, tell people why. That's a, that's a really important lesson I think coaches don't know. Your last year, your potential year, right? And you're in collegiate. It's just an honor. Being a chief of the Braves, Harry was the chief of the Braves my year. It's an honor. These are honor, honor yep. things you'll never forget. You never forget what you went in collegiate week teams you were on, um, what pick you went, right? I think I said that. You're, you're, you're brave. You're chief of the brave status. And in 14, it's your last chance. It's your yeah. last chance as a camper to be a first-rounder. There's a lot of pride in that. And um, I picked the kid who was a better athlete than the kid in 14. Now, for the record, at the time, I didn't know I was going to pick the kid in 14 as a 2-1. So then what do I do? Not pick that kid because he was in 14 and not take him 2-1 and let him keep slipping? But you look back and you're like, shit, I should have just taken that kid. Yeah. Last chance of being a first-rounder. He never had been one. And it would have been really special to him. Yeah, no, I think that's think that. I think that's a good thing though that coaches need to hear because a lot of times in those, especially in those late picks, guys make decisions to shock the world as opposed to like you're go- he's there, he's going to be there in two picks, you know, do the right I, thing. I, I, but for my defense, I wasn't convinced on that, and hmm. I, I looked at my big board, and I was like, this kid, Alex Rosen, is the best athlete available, and he's I don't care what cabin he's in, I'm picking him, you know. Sure. But, you know, I think at that point, I, I, I had a pretty good idea. Adam Callen went 1-1 on Notre Dame. They ended up winning. Okay, the team had two. I believe they swept, right? They Or, or they clinched before. Pretty big win. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I had an idea that it was probably going to be a long shot for me. So that I, at that time, I probably should have done what was right for the camp or not what I thought would give me some chance of winning. But you don't think like that all the time. So. Yeah, of course. But um, And then at the end of the camp, we're out of the week. I'm pissed off. I had switched going out. Um, Oded. Was an Israeli counselor. Him and I had switched nights off. It's the second. So my last night off, I let him go the night before. He's nowhere to be found on campgrounds. I got a cabin 14 or Sammy Matthew in my cabin, and I'm like, Sammy, you're watching the kids. Oh, God. Was I stupid? <laughs> now, 
the reason I did that, as stupid as it was, is because I was playing this huge prank on Scott Sang. Scott Sang, who was an SC, a couple years older than me, had this huge crush on Taryn Cutchin. Taylor Cushion, is ta- I think it's Taylor Cushion. Yeah, Taylor Cushion was a, a, a concert at Miramita. So for the last couple weeks, I was having our nurses write Scott saying letters from, from Taylor in girls' handwriting. Brutal. And he was totally, totally bought him off, okay? And we, the last letter we had written was like, we're going to meet up. I want to see you. So let's meet at this place in this by the, by the cell tower. You know, it's over there. Oh, yeah, sure. And I had like fifty, I had like forty counselors that were all gonna be there. And when he showed up, we were gonna fucking needle him. You know, and just totally prank. That is so and the whole thing. brutal. I the whole thing. I switched nights out. I was pissed. And um, uh, David Saltzman, who I recently saw too, we just had a great talk about this. David Saltzman was like the OD, or the super OD. And he came by. There were kids were making noise, and there's no counselor in the cabin. I don't care that my kids were in cabin 10 or whatever it was, or 11, I think it was 10. You don't do that. And then he did the absolute right thing. Um, so that, I came back and Sammy's like, they were here, they know you weren't here. And I was like, okay, I'll deal with it in the morning. You know, 7 a.m., uh, uh, you know, they, 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 we played the song, we raised the flag, Todd Hayden, green room. Oof. So I walk up there, I walk in, Daddy's got fumes coming out, Daddy's like, what happened? I'm like, I left. I wasn't in charge that night, but I was the last one in the cabin, and I left, and I put somebody else in charge. And he's like, do you understand what you did? And I'm like, yes. He's like, get out of my office, you're fired. And I'm like, Denny, stop. It's the day before. We were leaving camp tomorrow. It was a Monday. Yeah. Camp back on a Tuesday. Or Tuesday was a Wednesday. You know, the day before was the last day of the week, everything. We're cleaning up. We're leaving the next day. And I'm like, what? Denny, what are you talking about? And he's like, get out. I don't want to ever look at you again. You've done that. You know, I'm, I'm tired of you. I never want to, like, I don't know, so I'm bawling. Bawling. I run back into my cabin, Jeff Kaplan. I slam the door. He's like, what's going on? I tell him. He's in his boxers. He storms up to the office. You know, he's like, Danny, what the fuck do you know? He tells me this whole story. I hear them. I hear them. I mean, I hear, hear them yelling. You hear Jeff Kaplan just standing up for me, yelling at Danny. For no reason. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have stood up for me. And Jeff's like, you can't kick him out the day before camp. His mother is like my second mother, and I'm not going to have, I'm not going to come home, look his mother in the eye, and say, I let him go home alone, and I didn't drive home with him. If you're firing Todd, you're firing me too. And Denny's like, now, wait a minute, let me, I'm missing a point. Adam Matazar was also in charge that night. He left with me too, but Adam Matazar was the piano player. You need the piano player at the end of collegiate week. Okay? Oh, boy. <laughs> Adam doesn't get fired, oh. but Todd Hinn gets fired. Okay? So... Jeff walks up and goes, if you're firing Todd, you're firing Denny and him. I, it's all hearsay, right? I wasn't in there. Sure. And then Denny's like, then you can get back my camp too. Jeff comes back. Adam Manager, we were all co-counselors. Adam Manager goes, Adam, I'm out too. Goes, Denny, I quit. I'm out. All three of us, then there was O'Dead, ended up, Denny then, I'm packed. I'm packed. My cabin's bawling. All my campers are bawling. I'm bawling. <laughs> you know? And we go back. And Danny and I had like this talk, and like Danny was kind of being like, "I want you to stay, and, like don't leave." I, I, but I was like, "Danny, you fired me. I'm I'm over you. I'm over this, and I'm over you." And like we could have worked it out, and I could have stayed for sure and dealt with it. But I was too bullheaded, and he was a little bit bullheaded too. Sure. And uh, I left, and so did Jeff Kaplan, and so did Adam Anderson. We drove home in my red jeep. Wow. And, uh, cabin tended one council, and you know camp was over. So. Luckily, I got uh, you know the chance to to, pl- to show and have my role at DPS and sure. do these things, and you know it wasn't like I missed a whole summer; it was one day. But just bad memories. I wish my campers wouldn't have to live with. Not sure. affect them in any way. I don't think. Well, you know, it's just you don't want that. That is my last time leaving camp as a staff person. Um, was that? And I should I should have. But you know what? I made a lot of mistakes in my young adulthood, and I will continue to make some mistakes. I'm sure as I'm in, in my later years. Yeah. You learn from it. Yeah, and, and we touched on it before. That's what camp's for. Camp teaches you how to be a man. Camp teaches you how to grow up. And yeah, it was a big fucking mistake. Yeah. Okay. In one of those in that moment, a year later is at the end of the world. No, everything was fine. Nothing happened. Nobody got hurt. It was fine. Right. Thank God. And, and thank God that happened. You know, nobody got hurt. And uh Danny and I get to have a lot of good hugs and laughs about it. Yeah. So now from that point until you start coming up with BPS, do you have you visited? Do you stop by camp at all? Or do you have any interaction or anything? Yeah, I did. I visited um, when I was 21, but it wasn't like 
a fun visit. Uh, right. you know, but I was there and then but then Danny and I worked it out I think in like my mid-twenties and we were fine and um, had my Ross has a place in Monaco so when I'd go up there I'd stop by camp and see it nice uh, but never like a trip where I stayed at Ojibwa sure um, just BPS but I've been on BPS since BPS 2 I missed one because I was a late invite and I had a bachelor party that I'd planned that weekend for another one of my best friends who went to Michigan and um, and then I missed BPS 6 for the birth of my daughter who decided to come five and a half weeks early. Uh, but Wednesday night, <laughs> oh. Thursday morning, I was getting on David Baum's plane and flying up there. So. But don't think that Darren didn't try to get me up to camp. And don't think that I didn't try to toy with my wife a little bit. I'd be like, but Blake's okay. Uh, unfortunately, Blake was in the hospital for eight days. I was going to say, is this uh, first child or second child? First child. child. Oh, bro. Which is sick, because I'm wondering if, like, Blake wouldn't have been so early would I have tried to actually go. Sure. But, like, I was here for the birth. You're fine. I'll be back in two days. <laughs> Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about BPS. Uh, so we've covered a little bit about the sort of the basic idea of how BPS came to be. What do you envision BPS as being, and what do you envision BPS as, as going on to continue to be? Yeah. So BPS is a brotherhood. It's a bunch of guys that uh, come together and truthfully come together in the spirit of somebody who died way too young. Um, Brian Schwartz was a very special person. The interesting part of this whole thing, I never met Brian, you know, but, and I was telling this to Darren the other day, I was talking to Brian, you know, I was in my car and I was just talking to him. And, um, you know, I feel this connection with somebody I never met before. Mm. I hope that people who come on BPS, whether you're, and it's, it's about split, maybe it's 60, 40, 60% of the people went to Ojibwa, 40 didn't. It's a pretty good mix. But the most important thing is you remember what this guy stood for and what he lived for and um, also how short life can be, so live it to the fullest. And it's a great place whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, you play in one of the sports divisions or you don't. A bunch of guys coming up there, and it's like the training wheels of a doublet come off. You know, yeah. there's, there's no there's no filters. It's just fun. Some people let really you know get really loose up there, um, and it's just such a fun weekend. And whether some people say for two nights, some for three, it's such a fun place. And it, you know, the smiles on these guys' faces. It's why I'll plan you know 360 days of the year for this kind of five day stretch. Um, and it's just so special. I'm so honored to be a part of it. And you know, this year it's BPS nine. It's our ninth year up there. We've got 100 and I think 12 or 13 people already signed up. Nice. We have to be 125 or 130. Yeah. And it's just so fun. And um, the bonding between old and young. Look, I've got guys on this trip who invested in me and my business, having no clue what my business was even about. Hmm. They invested in me. And I think that was one of the big reasons why I really felt like it was my duty to take this thing over when Darren wanted to give it up. I, I never pushed Darren to give it up. He ran it for seven years. Um, I had no idea what to expect my first year doing it. He's, he's clearly been so helpful. But it's just a weekend of sports and botchery and drinking and partying and laughing and sharing memories and building new ones. You know, I mean, David Rosenstein, the bailiff, I didn't know David before BPS. David is like a brother, a friend, a father to me now. Yeah. You know? I mean, guys like Danny Barnett, who I was so afraid to talk to. And you hear this intimidating Danny Barnett. You've heard so many stories about it. It's one of my closest friends. You know, that's that's what's so special about this trip, and it's the bond between young and old. That's what BPS really is about. It's not about going and playing, in a, you know, 10 games of basketball in 36 hours and beating up your body. It's about the bond between young and old. And any new person who comes on this trip has to hear that from me. And if I yeah. don't think that they're a good fit, I don't care if it's Michael Jordan. You know, I don't care about your athletic talents. Right. I don't think you're a good fit for the trip. you got to be able to give back and do what's right for the trip and, and walk up to somebody you don't know and introduce yourself. Um, and that's something that's really special. Yeah. It's such a fun, fun weekend. And hopefully we continue to grow and get new people up there. The best to me is getting rookies, people who've never seen Ojibwa, a real rookie, not a BPS rookie, but a person who's never seen and Joel Zamudio is a great example of this, who's now such a part of, like, Darren's crew, and he plays basketball with these guys every Tuesday and every Thursday. Wow, and, nice. I um, mean, he didn't grow up in the North Shore, you know? He's, <laughs> it's, he's very different from that. And uh, he calls these guys friends and brothers now. Yeah. That, to me, is what... You know, I had 29 rookies last year, my first year running this, and a good portion of them had never seen Ojibwe before or hadn't been there in 20, 25 years. Really special. Yeah, it was a big year. I mean, you know, all the reviews came back great. The influx of new guys. It was its own sort of transition, just like camp had its transitions. You know, it was like a new leadership, new young guys coming in, new recruiting. It's going to continue. Yeah. You know, I mean, Darren's crew 
all Brian's really good friends and these guys, your your 40s, your 50s. Um, hopefully we continue to get a great tick of those guys coming back, which we have. We really do. But it's going to churn. And that's yeah. just life. And so that's why we need fresh blood up there. And we got to continue this legacy. And we got to continue this incredible, um, you know, partnership with Camp Ojibwa, um, which we have. And we're fortunate to have that time up there. You know, yeah, for sure. Very, that time slot could be coveted by a lot of people. And we own it and we get it. And, um, you know, we're, we're very appreciative for that. And I'm happy that what we can bring in for Ojibwa, um, not just from the revenue. I mean, this is the truth, but Ojibwa's a business, the revenue we bring, but the amount of new people who get to see camp and then talk about it, that's called brand awareness, right? And yeah, for sure. Guys will have sons that now will send their kid to Ojibwa. For sure. And then what part did I play in that? And again, this comes that full circle of, I owe this camp so much. I owe the camp so much more. Um, you know, than when I get free. It's just it, from everything gave to me, I have so much more to give back to this place. Yeah. And so that's why I'm honored to be doing this with you, Chris, and honored to run BPS. And hopefully, will as I grow, get to play more of a role with camp, um, you know, as camp transitions too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now that you're grown up, now that you have kids, now you're doing this. And we've touched, we've hit on this all throughout, but just we'll boil it down a little bit. In a simple, quick answer, how has camp affected your life? In more ways than I can explain. It's probably the greatest, outside of my direct family, the greatest influence that any place or thing has had on me. And uh, I would not be me without Campo Jopo. Nice. Simple enough. And lastly, I need one great I story. the one that I'm going to pull. Me and Harry, we are second-year JCs. It's pre-camp. And we're both seeing these two girls that are good friends. 14 is empty. No one's in 14 yet. And so we decide it's 2 in the morning, we're going to bring the two girls back, and we're going to fool around at 14, right? Well, the girl that I was hooking up with, her dad didn't know where she went. They had, a, they had like a house near Ojibwe, actually really close to Ojibwe. Oh. <laughs> so the dad pulls up right in front of Denny's room, bright side. Oh, wow. Okay? So Denny wakes up, comes out there. Dad somehow knew, you know, Harry Matthew Todd Aiden, okay? And Ozzy, Ozzy is there. And I was really tight with Ozzy, and still am. I think he's a great guy. And, and we got some funny stories from another podcast I think about Ozzy. And Ozzy knew, you know, like, I don't know how he knew, but, like, Ozzy just knew, like, what was going on. The dad is now talking to Danny at, like, four in the morning. Three in the morning wakes him up. So Ozzy comes Busting into 14. I'm hooking up on the couch with this girl. And he's like, Todd, get your fuck out of the cabin. Diddy's on the prowl. So we, me and Harry, both Harry's the one who like the rooms, you know. I'm like, Harry, coach, we gotta go. So we like get off them. I'm like, Chris, your dad's here, you know. So we just book, right? Dad picks up both the girls, takes them home. I'm like, Denny, I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? All guys that put a gate on Ojibwa. Don't allow strangers. It's probably really dangerous. And if you're letting strangers pull up on our road. I think you need a gate. You know? Like, what are you talking about, Danny? I had no idea what you were referring to. I was sleeping. I was in my cabin. I was asleep. So that's a really good one. That's, that's awesome. Really one where Danny was like, Danny had me. But I'm like, Danny, what do you, what do you mean? I wasn't there to me. Sorry, some guy knows my name. Put a gate on the road. You know? Typical me trying to play chef and flipping it on Danny. You know? That's fantastic. Punk. So that was my good one. That's, that's awesome. That's my funny one. Hopefully many more. Sure. Many more as my, my son will, God willing, be able to go there. And, uh, you know, he's only four and a half months old, but we're thinking about it already. He's right. a lot of OJ gear already. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough for this. Thanks this is so awesome. Really an honor. Thanks. Okay, that is it. Another one in the books. Todd Hayden, great chat. Some awesome stories. Not afraid to get in there and uh, talk about the times he might have been right and the times he might have been wrong. <laughs> it was a lot of fun recording that one. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Email me, Christopher, at org, or swing by the website, org. Check it out. Check out the new stuff. Check out the old stuff. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out the video about OJ90 
Our 90th summer celebration coming up next year, May 6, 2017. Put it in your calendars. That's it for this week. Oh, no, it's not. Come back on Wednesday for a special edition, the BPS Roundtable Fire Up Edition. For all you guys heading up to BPS this week, you're going to love it. We've got a roundtable coming up with a few guys, and it's a lot of fun. So look forward to that. That's enough for me today. It's cold at Catfish Lake, but it's never too cold to go have a cigar.